Um, anyways, let's get straight to it. Let's, uh, let's get to the second session, and we're going to get to a very familiar portion in Scripture uh, that just dwells into marriage straight away. So if we want to consider what Scripture says about marriage and what it's supposed to look like and the purpose it serves, let's get to Ephesians. Uh, we'll open up to chapter 5. And we'll read 22 to the end of that chapter, which is 33. Ephesians 5.22. Everyone there? Amen. Beautiful. Good to see everyone's got their Bibles, laptops, study Bibles as well. That's awesome. Um... Genesis, uh, sorry, Ephesians 5.22. Amen. The Word of God says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, uh, the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands. Love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh this mystery is profound and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. I want you guys to highlight that verse. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that we get to reflect upon this wonderful text of Scripture, Lord. We understand, Lord, that our society has um, alternative views, uh, controversial views and interpretations of this text, Lord God, that I pray that with your help we could address them, Lord, and ask that your spirit, Father God, would be the one that leads us, illuminates us, Lord, reveals your truth to us, Lord. That what you leave behind for us here in this portion is something that is wonderful, something that is actually precious, Lord God. That it isn't denouncing, it isn't sexist, it isn't anything that the, the society that we live in wants to paint it as, Lord God. But this is your will, Lord God, and that this is something, Father, through which, Lord, you choose to bless us, Lord God. Father, we pray that you would be glorified. We ask that all the youth here, Lord, all the young uh, men and women here, Father God, would be submissive firstly to who you are, Lord God, and to what you have to say to us on this subject. Father, we thank you, Lord. In the name that is above all names, we pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen and amen. All right, so last session we, we uh, got to reflect upon the nature of God and I was trying to express to you the importance of knowing who our God is, the importance of knowing how God relates to humanity, how God relates to all these uh, things that we get to benefit from. You know, the way God relates to salvation, the way God relates to, to the way He loves us, to the way He, you know, He does anything and everything for, for His purpose. And, and we see how these that his purpose and his nature begins to overspill into everything that he creates, everything that he establishes, everything that he has put in place, including nature, as we were saying, that even nature cries out for his glory, it worships him, it praises him. That's the function that we as human beings are, are created for. And so we see the same thing be uh, manifested um, in marriage, that the purpose for marriage is, is really to reflect that nature of God to humanity. And I want to begin with that thought, and that's essentially what we're going to just be uh, meditating on for, for this session, is the fact that um, your marriage, like marriage in general for those who are married and, and those who may be thinking upon heading down that, that road, you know, if God has called you into that, understand that the fundamental purpose of your marriage is really to reflect God. Like, that is its function. That is the reason why it actually exists. It's actually so that you can glorify God through it. That's so that you can reflect who God is to a world that doesn't know who God is. That you are able to reflect God's love for you through the way that you love one another. That's the purpose it serves. And that's a wonderful purpose that we get to uh, partake in or share in. That God's imprinted image is given to us in that sense so that we can reflect that image onto the world. But that is what marriage really comes down to at, at the core, at the center. That that is the reason why He has created this partnership or this companionship. That it isn't solely just so that you know, we can have someone with us. You know, a lot of the times we think that marriage is just so that we can have companionship. That's, the, that's it. That's not it. There's a reason why you have that companionship, and it is for the, the, the glory of God. That's the function. That's the purpose. So, so that's what I really want to... What we really see in, in Ephesians here, that this is what the Apostle Paul is expressing, that the role that is specifically, uh, specifically given to the wife serves a purpose. The role that is specifically given to the husband, it serves a purpose. It happens for a reason that you are a, a, a husband, that, it, that God has placed you in that role for a reason. And that's, that's what we were thinking upon in the first session, that everything that, that God does, He does it for a reason. Um, so let's read with me, uh, if you join me, verses 22 to 24, and we'll get to to, uh, to the wives and what Paul says or what the Word of God says um, to wives. So the Word of God says this, 22 to 24, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as, the Lord, as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. We'll leave it there for now. Um, the, in terms of scripture and in terms of what, uh, you know, controversial portions in scripture that we can kind of 
face or come across. This has to be one of those that goes right up at the top of our list, I think. Where society, oh man, just takes this and completely just wants to destroy it, attacks it. It's the first thing that they come to. Um, when, it, when, when we consider marriage and the role of a wife or the role of a husband, that this is where they come and they draw all their guns towards and say, look, this is, this is your faith, this is Christianity, it's very... A sexist thing and and whatever it is that they present to you and they they ridicule this verse um, completely not knowing why it is the way it is all they see is all they do is just we see the the world just bark at this unfortunately you know shaking their heads at this and 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 teasing pretty much the Christian faith because of the way uh, God tells us that marriage um, ought to function um, and so before we address what this verse teaches us, let's consider some of these, even some Christians who, who teach upon this, um, say things that kind of because of all that noise that the world makes concerning this verse, in particular that word submissive, um, that some people teach that, uh, e e try to wiggle their way out of what God is saying the woman should do in terms of a, in the role of a wife and that's to be submissive and one of the things that they argue here that some churches may teach is that this was a cultural thing that this was set in a specific time in a specific culture in that that first century uh, you know um, Roman Greco society where this was kind of a common thing and so they say or argue that because it was a cultural thing this submissive nature was what was normal to them and so they dispute this verse or they, they disregard rather this verse as being something that is no longer applicable to uh, the modern day Christian where we no longer have to be or consider the wives to, to uphold this submissive nature as a wife, that it, it's no longer regarded as something we should practice. And this is something that some Christian uh, churches teach. And so we need to consider whether that is true, whether that is biblical, because the implications are, are very, very severe. Others try to twist it or, or, or regard it as something that is just, it's, it's, it was limited to the law, they say. It was like a, uh, they, they, they argue, I don't know even how they come up with this, but this was just the law for the Jewish community. That this was in the law. And so now since we live in, in the era of grace, that we are not bound by this law as they refer to. And so therefore as Christians, we don't have to, or wives in particular, you don't have to be submissive. Um, that, that's, that's like the, the, the extreme of how they treat this verse. The other way is, is, is something along the lines where they kind of like, they, they try to not make it seem as harsh. And so they say that the wife submits, um, but that means that also that the husband has to submit. Uh, it's, a, it's a dual thing where, where both the husband and the wife has to be submissive to one another. Um, and they, they, they make their case through the previous verse that it ends that both, uh, that all should be submissive to one another. If you look at, um, with me, the verse just above, verse 21, where it says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so they argue that that falls both for husbands and wife. But the truth of the matter is, when you're reading this in the original Greek, that 
That last verse doesn't belong to the husband and wife role. It actually belongs to the church. That verse that is ended there is applied to the church that we ought to be submissive to one another. That is true. And so when we come to this verse, this new section, this is a whole new instruction to the role of the wife or the role of the husband. And so, again, I want to clarify that this is something that, uh, that isn't cultural uh, uh, or determined by the culture of the day. And the reason why we say this is because of the examples that the, both Peter and Paul in, in other portions that speak upon the role of the wife um, or, or, or the woman. It, 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 they draw it back not from culture, not from the law, but they draw it back all the way back to the beginning. So their case for this submissive nature for the wife doesn't stem from culture or it doesn't stem from the law. And because the reason why it doesn't stem from the law is because uh, Peter uses or Paul uses the example of Sarah and Abraham. That just as she was submissive to Abraham, they're, arguing, they're presenting to you that that is the model by which we uh, uh, in marriage have to function. In particular, the wife has to be submissive to the husband. Because you see it in Abraham and Sarah. And if you know your history, you know that Abraham and Sarah came prior to the law that came through Moses. So it's not a law thing where we can now disregard it and say that was for the law and, and you know, we live in grace. So it doesn't apply. It, it, it's, that's not how it works. Scripture is clear on this. This instruction is for the church, for everyone right now. And it's not a cultural thing because not only does, does Peter and Paul refer to Sarah and Abraham, but they go all the way, they trouble themselves to point back all the way to the original parents of Adam and Eve. That just as, as uh, what, uh, Eve was or came from Adam and as Eve was the one that was deceived and, and so therefore that's the reason why that yeah, Adam is the head of the family. And so it stems all the way. It's not something that was culturally based and it wasn't something that was just given to the law. It's something that has been established as the order that God has put in place for marriages. That the function or the purpose or the way in which a wife uh, serves or glorifies or brings glory is through her submissive nature. It's through that. The only issue that we have is with this is because we are so reluctant. We, are, we find that word submissive. We have been instilled in our minds by society that to submit is something that isn't good at all. But that's not what we see in Scripture when we see or look at the example of, of Christ that He Himself was submissive. It did not diminish him in any way, shape, or form. He is still the king of glory. Amen? It's not, it doesn't diminish your role or value or however they want to present to you that, that wives shouldn't be submissive to the husbands because of that. Because of the truth of the matter is that it has nothing to do with that. It, submission doesn't equate to value. It doesn't, it doesn't equal that. It doesn't come from that. You know, submissive, being submissive, uh, a wife who is submissive to her husband, we see that the purpose 
before that is clear as day that just as the church is submissive to Christ, so also the wife gets to play that role in her marriage. That she is submissive to her husband. That it stems from that example, that model, that way that the relationship that Christ has with His church, that is what we are modeling as a, as a husband and a wife in this marriage, uh, in, in this marriage that we, those who are married get to live out. That wives, your roles is to be submissive because of the Lord that you serve. When you acknowledge that Jesus, the King of glory, was submissive by nature, that you too get to participate in that is something wonderful. Uh, don't ever consider that to be something that is degrading. Don't let society dictate to you how you ought to think upon what Scripture says. Think upon Scripture and let Scripture dictate to you how you're supposed to understand Scripture. Don't let society infiltrate your mind and tell you that to be submissive means that, God, that your husband is better than you or that that implies that your husband has whatever it is that they say. It's not that at all. Because when we do reflect upon the nature of Christ and the way he was submissive, again, emphasizing that Jesus himself exemplified this, God let your will be done. Like we see Jesus exemplify this when he came and, and bowed down and, and, and washed the feet of, of his disciples. Like the way we see that even in Christ. Like that, and, and going further into the connection here with the church, that we ourselves, as the church, we submit to our Lord. Because we trust our Lord, because we love our Lord, we love Jesus. And so when Christ instructs us or gives us something, we say yes in a loving way because we know that what he has for us is for our benefit and it is for his glory. And in that same nature, in that same way, and that's what Paul is making, that connection here, that just as uh, uh, the, the church submits to Christ, that wives ought to submit to their husbands. It says, in everything. Now, you, you're going to come and say, but what if you know, the husband is, is, isn't that great? Or, well, that, this, that's when we get to the husband section in, in a moment. But first of all, you wouldn't be wanting to, again, like going back to what we're looking in, in first session, you're not going to be pursuing someone who isn't godly, first of all. Uh, uh, you know, you're not going to be in a relationship with a guy who clearly doesn't have any reverence for the word of God. Um, you're not going to pursue someone who's just so outside of, of God's family that you're just going to be like, yeah, okay, cool. Because obviously what's going to happen is, this is where things get tricky and messy in this submissive nature. Uh, some may argue, well, you know, like, what if you're, you're already in that situation, maybe dating? Well, I think Scripture is clear that you shouldn't be in that. 
in that relationship. You should get out of that and pray about it. And pray for that person. I mean, I'm talking about dating now, like not marriage. I'm not saying like if they're not a believer, you've got to get divorced. Yeah, that's not, that's not what I'm suggesting here, by the way. All right. Um, no, uh, it, you know, it, that's not the, the purpose. So the, we're looking at a, a Christian marriage in this text. That the, the role in which the wife is submissive is so that she may reflect the church and, and have that, adopt that Christ-like submission and, and reflect that the church to, to the world. I want to tell you, uh, wives, that you don't have to, or, or you know, girls who are going to that role, that you don't have to be uh, a, a, a preacher, uh, uh, an evangelist, or whatever it is. Or first of all, I don't, I don't think you should be up there anyways, but Scripture is clear on that. But what, your role in terms of being a wife, uh, and this applies for the husband as well, is that it, it is... Literally an evangelistic role that when you begin to see your role as a wife, that you are serving as that, that you are presenting the gospel to a world that doesn't know it. The way you submit to your husbands is the way that the church is submissive to Christ. And that is what you were portraying to the world. That is amazing. Like that is what you have been given. That, that, that role and that purpose is for that. To reflect the love of God. So when they see that, maybe they're not fully aware of it, but they see it and they, they see the beauty in that. I want to be a part of that. It is not something diminishing. It is not something that hurts you. It is something that brings glory to God. And it's such a wonderful thing, wives. I know, again, that this isn't something that people would like just normally, we don't want to be submissive. We think of weakness. It's not weakness. It's not. It's beauty. It's actually really beautiful to see that. Because to say otherwise is to say something against the church, against the bride of Christ. That's essentially what you were saying. That's essentially what you were saying. So it's important that we see that, that there's that relationship between what we're seeing in, in our relationship between a husband and a wife is, is a reflection of God, of who He is. And so we acknowledge that that. There's this relationship even in God, in the Trinity, where God loves uh, the Son and the Spirit, and the Spirit loves the, the, the Father, and th there's just this love and unity. But even though that they are all God, they share the same nature, they are um, divine, they all serve different roles in that relationship. The Trinity serves as an indicator for how relationships should function. There's one that leads, one that submits, and still it's not degrading or any lesser of anyone else. Just like with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Just because the Son willingly submitted to the will of the Father, joyfully did it, didn't make Jesus any less God. He, he still was God. I mean, you see that in, in Hebrews when the author says that he had the exact same nature of God. He, he did not lose that. 
he was yet still submissive. It's that relationship where one leads and the other one shows their love through their submission, through that obedience. It, is, it, it shouldn't be viewed in a negative way. You know? All throughout the gospel we see that, that Jesus was submissive. And so let's, let's turn to the role of the husband. Let's read verses 25 and 33. It says, His husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Uh, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. I want to start off by saying that, guys, the responsibility that is laid upon you as a husband is heavy. It is a, a lot more so than the wife. Men, I want to either encourage you or discourage you from getting married. I don't know what you're going to do with this. But know that the responsibility of leading your family is given to you, and it is something that should not be taken lightly at all. The seriousness of it, the importance of it, it should be clear to you as young men that if, if, you, are, if you feel that God is calling you towards having a relationship or a partnership in life, understand what you are getting yourself into. Because I'll be honest with you, I didn't know well, as much as I would like to have known now. But it's such a wonderful thing once you understand that. It's such a beautiful thing that once you uh, accept the responsibility that God lays upon you men, is, is such a, a humbling thing that we again get to, to participate as a husband being the reflector of Christ our Lord to our wives. It is something so precious that we get to participate in that and reflect Jesus to our wives. Because we get to, as believers, we get to fall in love with God, our Lord Jesus and Savior, and see how wonderful He is to us. And then to be given the privilege to do that for someone else. Oh, guys, that is such a wonderful thing. But at the same time, no, that it's a serious one. The responsibility to, to lead your, your families is not laid upon the wife. It is laid upon the husband. I know a lot of the times we in our society, we begin to think that, 
that uh, you know it's the woman that really runs the the, the household. You know, and we jokingly say that you know you know it's really the the mom. Come on, like let's be real. Uh, I mean, I remember watching um, what's this movie called? My Big Fat Greek Wedding, I think it is. Like you know, like the head, the, the husband is the head of the family, but the wife is the neck that turns the head around. <laughs> It's not true. <laughs> it's not biblical. Like, it, it, it seems that way, but, you know, because you're, the, the mom is, is the loving one. But, but what does Scripture say? The Scripture says that it's, it's, it's the man, it's, it's the husband's role to lead the family. And to lead not in a... And this is where people kind of get a bit weird about it because they... We, we have so many negative examples, unfortunately, of men failing in their roles as a husband or a father. And so that the, it, the, the role of the wife becomes something well, that women don't want to you know, be submissive to their husbands. But when the husband functions and sees it's his purpose as being the reflector of Jesus in his own household, and he does anything for his family in the same way that we see Jesus offer up his life for the church, wives, why would wives ever want to leave that? You know? Because the, the, the role of the husband is, is essentially that, to reflect Jesus, to be Christ-like in the marriage, in that relationship. And that's what we see here when he, uh, Paul explains to the husbands that they ought to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Guys, that is heavy. That is serious. I don't know about you guys, but when I read that, my heart is just like, whoa, that's, that's a, a big order. That's a tall order. That's massive. The way that Jesus loved the church, Paul goes on to say, is that he gave himself up for her. Guys, you literally... Give yourself up over to your wives. You spend your life for her in a means to reflect to her what Jesus has done for the church. I want to show you, wife, who Jesus is by the way I sacrifice for you. Whatever it is that you need, I will be here. That you can trust in me. Because what we do when we fail as this or in, in loving our wives, what we fail to do or what we project out to the world rather is that Jesus fails to love the church. Again, telling you guys that the marriage is solely for the purpose of reflecting who God is. And so what is it that we present to the world out there when we mistreat our wives? What are, what are we saying to the world that Jesus mistreats us? What do we say when, when 
we go and commit adultery, what are we saying when that is happening in a relationship? What it testifies is that Jesus is not faithful. This is the reason why divorce is not permitted in marriage. And when infidelity creeps in, that's the only time when Scripture says, leave. Why? Because you're giving me a bad name right now. Do you see how it all connects to God? It is the, for the purpose of reflecting who God is to a broken world. Husbands, your role, again, is a serious one. It's a commitment. For the rest of your lives. But it's one that is so wonderful. The way that uh, Paul describes things here is not only the connection between Christ and the church, but Paul goes on to say that it is also the way you love your wife ought to be the same way that we love our own bodies. Just the way that you love yourself. The point that, we, that the apostle makes here is, is he's stating the obvious, that we love ourselves. We don't have any issues with loving ourselves. And this is directed to the, to the husband right now, so I'm just going to pick on the guys. We love ourselves so much that we will go and spend so much money on our own toys and just literally just like everything, every paycheck that we get, it, it's really just for us. We... we, we, we Spend ridiculous times of, of, of time playing video games because we love ourselves. It's, it's true. And that's why we get that bad name. <laughs> and that's why we get that bad name like, uh, you know, boys and their toys. Because we know how to love ourselves. Well, Jesus is, it tells us about that, you know, in, in when he speaks about, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. That's essentially what Paul is saying here, but referring it to directly to the wife saying, just as you love yourself, men, you love to eat and love to take care of yourselves and make sure that everything's good. Well, that is the model that you use, the blueprint that you use to love your wives. In the same way that you love yourself, to that same degree, love your wives. Guys, are just like I see like some guys' faces, just like uh, I only have love for me right now. But you know what? If 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 that's the case, that's fine. I mean, maybe God is is calling you not for marriages. Maybe He's calling you to live the single life and just devote yourselves to 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 ministry. That is equally true. And, and now that I'm speaking upon that, I want to clarify that when Paul speaks about, you know, when he says that I, I would rather like, it's easier for me to, to serve the Lord more wholeheartedly if I was single. What he's, he's saying to you guys isn't um, don't get married or anything like that or that you can't serve God as much. It just means that the way you're going to, you are going to serve equally, uh, the equally amount as being in a single relationship or in, in a marriage. It's going to be the same amount. The only difference is you're channeling all your energy and time and effort and love into your family so that you can reflect God. It is still ministry. Understand that when you get into, into, um, into a marriage, you are getting into literally ministry. That is what you are doing. 
again, like this is the purpose of your marriage. And so it's, it's about that, that this is, it, it, it's not like I'm going to serve you, Lord, more better if I am single. You might have more time. Yeah, that's true to, to do and go out and serve. But it doesn't mean that you're serving any less. If you have a family, that is who God has given you to minister to. And it's a full-time thing. It's a full-time thing. So you can't get up here and think that, men, getting into a relationship, that means I don't have to, you know, I don't know what you guys may think, but I want you guys to think that this is now me getting into the way that God wants me to serve Him. This is the ministry that God has for me, is to love my wife just as Christ loved the church, that He gave His life for her. It's, it's, I want to tell you just from a personal level just how hard that is because we live with imperfect people. <laughs> Nat's just like, <laughs> amen. No, but I'm sure my wife would be like, yeah, preach. Um, the struggle, like, it's, the struggle is real. <laughs> For real, like, it, it's challenging, guys. Because what God is calling you to do is to love your wives in the way that Christ has loved the church. How did Christ love the church? Well, He died for her even while she hated Him. Do you understand that? Like that, that while we were His enemies, He still came and died for you to show you his love for you. As husbands, you have to do that to your wives. What do I mean by this? Sometimes they might get under your skin. It, it will, it will, you, we're human, we get... <laughs> I got it. <laughs> uh, we, we, it's challenging. Submit. No, I'm kidding. We, we don't talk about that. Um, but it's challenging because we are broken ourselves. That little kid in ourselves wants us to, you know, I want, I want that toy, I want this. But, you know, we, we become like that. But we get frustrated. So the, the call to love our wives doesn't come by our emotion. I want you to understand that loving someone is not an emotional feeling that we have to muster up for that person. Meaning that uh, it's really easy to like someone that likes you back, right? That's, I think we all can understand that. But loving someone who doesn't, that's challenging. Especially loving someone when right now you are hurting me. I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated right now. Uh, it, it's bothering me a little bit right now. In that moment is where we need to love our wives when they're not being that loving towards us, or at least what we think. Like it, that's the commitment level that is called upon husbands. Why? Why should we love her like that? Does she deserve it? Probably not. I'll leave that for you guys to dispute later. Um, <laughs> but it's not determined based upon how she's treating you. It's based upon how Christ has treated you. And that is how you're supposed to love your wives. That's what I mean, guys. Understand that marriage and getting into dating, like this is the commitment that you're about to, to get into. 
as guys. And guys, understand that this role is, is placed upon you in terms of dating and, and just kind of stepping on Josh's toes maybe a little bit here. But, but the function of, of, of pursuing a, a, a wife is placed upon the, the guy. So if, if you want to look for a, a spouse, guys, you have to get up and search for her. And, and girls, if you guys want a godly man, well, that's for the next session, but you have to start beginning to present those godly qualities that a godly man is searching for. It's not about makeup and, and looking good. and No, because a godly man isn't searching for the prettiest woman in the world. He's searching for the godliest. And if you're a godly woman, the same thing. You're searching for a godly man because you understand who God is. And so the pursuit of the man for a relationship is laid upon the man, upon you guys. Why? Because it was Christ that sought after his bride. It wasn't the church that sought after Christ. I think that's really clear. Like while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He came and showed us love. Man, it is on you the greater responsibility to uphold this relationship. Well, you have to invest. Paul goes on to explain. That Christ does all these things. He, he loves us so that He can present her as being without blemish and spot. And, and he, he, he clothes her in, in splendor. Husbands, you got to do that as well. you you got to make sure that you invest in your wives the Word of God. He says that, that he, he washes her clean with the Word. You have to be investing the Word of God into your wife and family's life. You have to do that. That is your ministry right there. Again, you don't have to be a preacher. You just have to be... Everyone's a preacher, right? You don't have to be up here to do that. You have to be doing that with your wives. This is the commitment that you have to give. Why? Because men, you will be standing before God one day and He's going to ask from you, what did you do with what I gave you? And you have to present your family and say, this is what I did. I gave myself up as Christ did for me. And I instilled in my family your word as best that I could so that I can present them to you as blameless. It's a heavy task. I'm, I'm sure now you guys are like, man, I, I, I regret coming here now. <laughs> it's just, this is heavy. It's serious, guys. And it's stuff that I wished I was able to have known prior and that's the reason why we're doing this because we're looking at the next generation that are going to be following in these footsteps of marriage and dating that these are the things that you have to start looking for these are the things that is expected of you guys to love guys to love sacrificially you know, it ends with this verse here in, in verse 33. 
He says, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. That is just really simple stuff teaching there because honestly, the things that women need the most above everything else is to feel loved. Just like we, the church, man, above everything else, we need to be reminded that God loves us on a regular as the church, we are constantly just in the presence of God. God, I want to hear from you. God, I want to, I want to feel your presence. I, I want your touch. These are the things that we, we sing in worship. And like, God, please, I just want... The wife is the same. Above everything else, they want to be loved. And husbands, we, we don't need that much loving. You know, like, oh, we don't need flowers. We don't need that. The thing that we need the most above everything else is to be respected. You want to hurt your husband? Disrespect him. I'm not saying do that. But that's, that's how it, we as men, we, we need to be respected. And that's what he addresses here. Respect. Because he has been given that responsibility to lead you in a loving way. As much as he is devoting himself to God, wives, you see that, that the only option for you, to, for you is to be submissive to that because you see Christ in your husband. And I pray that you see Christ in your husbands. I pray that my wife does too. But that's what it is. That's our role. These are the things that make up marriage. Fundamentally, really simple stuff, but really things that we need to start considering. Because when we get to dating, dating isn't just for you to spend time and waste time on someone. Begin to see it as your ministry, as believers, that you will glorify God through this. That that is the task that is given to you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, and acknowledge you for, for this time that we got to reflect upon the roles of the husband and the wife, Lord God. The severity of it, Lord God, is something that we need to consider. Equally, we need to consider the joy and the beauty of it. The way you have constructed it, Lord God, brings glory to your name. It reflects to us who you are, Lord. And the fact that we get to be participators of that is such a wonderful thing, Lord God. Father, my heart, Lord, is concerned for the youth, Lord, in our church. And Father, I pray, Lord, that these truths, Father God, that we are instilling, Lord God, and investing into their hearts. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will bring conviction to these truths, Lord God. That we would take more time to study what the Word tells us and not just rely upon what others say or society dictates, Lord God. That we consider um, what the role of a wife is serious and what the role of a husband is, Lord God. That we take that on board and see that what we are doing essentially is becoming evangelists that proclaim the gospel through our relationships, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that you would help us through this, Lord God. And that you would burden us, Lord, to search out the scriptures more wholeheartedly and completely, Lord God. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for this time that you've given us, Lord, to reflect upon why we have been given this gift of marriage. 
that it is for your glory and namesake. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says...